Hi, and welcome to Pacifim Christian Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message, that it will both challenge and inspire you. So for some, I have shared this story before, this testimony, and um, I just felt that I should have uh, shared a little bit more last week, as Denny said. So we came from 2 Timothy 1.7, and we talked about the spirit of fear. And the Greek tells us that fear is defined by panic attack that grips a person, causing them to run away, to be alarmed, to be scared, to be frightened, to be dismayed, to be intimidated, anxious, and apprehensive. Worry is described as to divide. So worry comes to divide us. The word suggests it brings a distraction, a preoccupation, with things causing anxiety, stress, and pressure. Now, the Bible says clearly God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. A sound mind. That's what our nation, our our young people need to hear that. They need to not just hear it from us, but they need to know that there's a God that loves them and does not give us a spirit of fear. If we allow fear to control our lives, it will keep us from reaching our full potential in God. And that's a sad affair, don't you think? Because God has got so much more for us, something bigger than we could ever imagine, we could ever think of. He's got that for you and I. Fear breeds inaction. Inaction breeds lack of experience. Lack of experience breeds ignorance. And ignorance breeds worry that turns to fear and you find yourself on a cycle and I find that the only way to get off that cycle is by knowing him because he gives us a spirit of love, power and a sound mind. How do I know this? Well, there's something for you. A lot of people say, yeah, it's an emotion. But remember in the garden, Before Genesis 3, remember in the garden when Adam and Eve stood speaking to a serpent? Who in the room would do that today? Obviously there was no fear. Trust you, Colin. There was no fear. They stood there talking to a snake. If we believe scripture, scripture says that. They stood there talking to a snake and he's telling, oh, a conversation. Did God really say that? Oh, yeah, God said that. And then doubt comes in. But there was no fear in that place. So I know that fear doesn't come from God because God created a perfect place in the garden. So fear must have come in after the fall. Yeah? That's just my slant. I believe that. Fear came in after the fall. God didn't give us fear. Fear came with everything else that we took on after the fall. I thought that was pretty good. good. I thought that was a little bit of revelation there for you all, free of charge. I think it was good. So fear, I don't believe, is from God. It's from the enemy. Now, when I was talking about fear and how it, it brought me to a place where I was just so bound up, so bound up, what will people think? Who am I? So you go from the life 
of the party to someone who is so bound up after being in that tragedy. But here's the thing. God turns tragedies into triumphs. Yeah? He doesn't cause a tragedy, but he will use it to make you a, a, a more empowered person. To make you more confident if he's in control with us. If he's allowed to be in the situation. He takes us from that fear, from that tragedy, and he makes us who he intends us to be. You're very quiet. 2 Corinthians 2.14 reads like this. It says, Now thanks be unto God, who always causes us to triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I believe that's the Holy Spirit. Now this here, this scripture, when in its context, Paul is saying, he's, he's using an analogy that back in the day, the Romans, when they used to come from war, the generals, they would put on this massive big grand finale, massive. And all the, the Proverbs, they would come and they would honour this, this commander who led them in war. And they would all bow down to him and worship him and, and it would be a big triumph and they'd all celebrate. And they'd have barbecues going, they'd bring out the best of the best animals. They'd have barbecues going and they'd all be arraying and rahing and, and just honouring this guy and all his soldiers would come after him in this massive big grand procession. And it would be a triumphant day. And that's what Paul's saying. God causes us to triumph. Whether, you know, we've gone through a tragedy, if we trust in him, he will bring us through triumphantly. And all, you know, Paul acquaints it to all the aromas and, you know, that spirit will be oozing out of us for everyone to want to smell of. Trying my hardest here, church. Everyone would want to smell of that Holy Spirit when we've gone through a trial. Now, even in the world, I wasn't a Christian when I went through all that that I went through in that fire. But I was a prayer. I believed in God, but I didn't know Jesus Christ. But God still convinced me and was convincing me all that way that he existed, that he was real. And brought me to a place where he turned a tragedy that enabled us to come into a place of triumph. See, back in the day, we were working hardcore, trying to save, to come to a place that we felt it was... Looking back now, it was destiny. It was destiny. We was coming to Australia in search of a better way of living. And though we went through a tragedy that enabled us because of um, compensation, back then they paid £800. That was a lot of money 40 years ago. Can anyone remember that far? For $800 pound, got us exactly two tickets to Australia, 400 pound each. We paid for Claire because she had to have a crib on the aeroplane. So we, was, we just paid 50 pound. And we got to Australia and then 
Even though it was a tragic thing, God led us into triumph as we found Jesus Christ and our lives changed completely forevermore. It was a tragedy that turned into a triumph and only God could do that. Because I tell you, when I met Jesus Christ, he literally took away fear from my life. Literally. Bound up, insecure, threatened. Couldn't speak two words without being shy. Now I know you find that hard to believe. Yeah? But that is what the enemy made me to be. It wasn't what God made me to be. It was a tragedy that made me like that. And yet God, in all his awe, still reckoned I could work with that. I can work with that and turn it into a triumph. Yeah? And so in all things he causes us to try, not just have a little bit of a breakthrough, but to triumph, to be able to have a confidence that only comes from him and not on my human understanding because it's in him. And when we trust in him, he brings a better uh, view and a better situation out of everything. So many go through tragedies and they lean on their own understanding. Or they'll lean on the world system understanding. When if only they just dig in a little bit further and allow us Christians to speak into their lives and get the full picture of what being set free means, they'd be set free. But we've sidestepped and they've taken power from the church and now we have counsellors. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But I tell you, if we're still in counselling after five, ten years, you need to really look at what's happening in that room. Because I believe God takes us to a place of struggle and he brings us into victory. Believe it with all my heart. And I know it to be truth. Because not just me, but there's many in this room that can testify it. That only God brought them through the tragedy and turned it into a triumph. There's many in our nation that proclaim that. And it's truth. You know, the last few weeks I've sat with certain people who have been through uh, cancer and and just lost everything. and, And they claim they're a better person now. Not a better person, but they they are full of gratitude. They know that what could have been and yet what God turned it round to be is far better than what it used to be. Anyone in the room can say amen? Yeah. Amen. Let's give God some glory. Let us give a bit of a shout. You know, when they come into a triumph, it all went off. But we still keep our testimonies quiet because we're fearful of what people will think about it. Oh, yeah, that cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. And yet it's to give God the glory that he is who he is and that he can take us from struggle to standing confident in him. Take the cross, for example. Ooh, I bet people in the day thought that was a tragedy. 
But then three days, God turned it into an incredible triumph. And it's still triumphant now. Amen? You look at that situation, that could have been, oh. And I bet all the Christians were, you know, thinking, what's going to happen? What's gonna... But then God. But then God. You know, our world now is in a desperate place and we hear, oh, you know, people are asset free, but they can't, uh, rich, but they can't feed their family. And so, you know, we've come to a place where, and I, I thank God that, you know, a lot of churches are doing feeding programs and looking after and looking after and looking after. But there comes a place where God will take us where we have to get on our knees for ourselves. We have to learn that he is the provider. He is the one who, who sources everything that we need. And that's what the Bible tells us. And I think we're at that place where we're getting desperate. And people again are going to have to come to a place where they cry out to the great I am. Just like a crowd, a group of young women and guys who was full of fear on that roof at um, uh, Manchester, England on the 8th of May. And all they resolved to was prayer. They knew nothing else. They didn't know whether they were going to live or die. But they just sat and huddled and started praying. None of them knew God. None of them went to church. But there was a core inside that back in the day we all heard about God. Not so much these days. You mentioned Jesus or God in school and the kids think you're swearing. But someone will bring the name of Jesus to them. We pray because we know Christians are getting excited more and more. What are we doing with that? We've got to do something with it. Not keep it to ourselves. Because some people out there need a triumph in God. Yeah? No? Okay. You know, I come back and I love this scripture, Romans 8, 28, and you all know that I love that scripture. But it reads, and we know that in all things, God works it together for good, for those who love him and called by his name, called for his purposes. And he also loves the unsaved, doesn't he? That's who he died for. He died for the unsaved. He wants to give them some triumphant, some victory in their lives. How are they going to hear about it without us? Because I believe God turns tragedies into triumphs. And we've got to make it known to those who don't understand it or haven't heard it. Because he's a faithful God. He's faithful in his truth. You know, I could have still been going to counselling today if it wasn't for Jesus. Came and set me free. You know, back in the day... I was awarded an invalidity pension. So I was, what was I, 21. And because I'd been through the fire, been through the tragedy, they awarded us 800 pound, and then they awarded us an invalidity pension for the rest of my life. But when I got saved, when I got set free, 
I couldn't take that invalidity pension because I was set free. So it would be a contradiction. See, the sun sets free is free indeed. We don't have to depend on anything except him. You know, I remember many years ago I was on the altar and I, I said to this person, not here, many, many years ago, many years ago, not that I'm that old, but many years ago. And I said to this person, oh, let me pray for healing for you. Oh, don't pray for healing for me. I was shocked. I said, why? Why wouldn't you want healing? I'd have to give my pension up. I was shocked. I would rather keep that than sing out a testimony of triumph that Jesus set me free and who the sun sets free is free indeed. Who he sets free is free. We can't play in two worlds. Either we believe it or we don't. Either we want to experience it or we don't. I could have still been having that pension. What sort of a testimony would that have been now? Huh? That's why I believe the Bible tells us don't be double-minded. You've got to set your thoughts on what he says. And either we believe it or we don't. Believe it or we don't. But God is for us and not against us. Paul uses the phrase more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Which only appears in the New Testament. It refers to those who gained a surpassing victory, meaning to be completely victorious, to carry away any, uh, an overwhelming victory. He's saying, in reality, this is, we are more than conquerors. Past tense. Past tense, it's still active. It's still situa a situation. In other words, Christians keep on winning in victory. That's what he's saying. You're more than conquerors, but it's not just there for one occasion. It's there for a lifetime. It's there every day. You're more than a conquering Christ. In fact, it is that. It's that even when everything is against us in life, it's still we are more than a conqueror. We are still, and God will strengthen us to live out a gracious and victorious life every day if we're dependent on it, if we put him in that rightful place. Sometimes we say, oh, well, I don't do that. But he's still for us because that's who God is. He's a loving God. He's a caring God. And he wants us to be victorious. He doesn't want us to be in the shadows. In every situation, in every circumstance, God wants you to be victorious. Even if we mess up, he's saying, come on, it's still here for you. The word of God is still powerful than any two-edged sword. Every day. Every day. 
But we've got to activate it. We've got to believe it. We've got to speak it out. We've got to stand on it. We have to stand on it. The Bible says in Romans 8 verse 31, What then shall we say in response to these things? Talking about all things work together for good, being more than conquerors. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charges against you? Against those whom God has chosen. You're chosen, we're chosen. Otherwise we wouldn't be in this room now. We wouldn't have a desire to sit in the house of God, worship the house of God. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? Who does the Bible say condemns us? No. Huh? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of the Father. He stood with God interceding for you and I. Literally interceding for you and I. How powerful is that? And these are reminders. We've got to remind ourselves, church. Sometimes we don't, we forget what power is resident in us. We forget that the Holy Spirit is for us and not against us. We forget that Christ is stood there saying, oh, look what they're doing, but oh, I've got them, Father. I'm praying for them, God, Dad. I'm praying for them, Dad. Because why? I died upon that cross for them. Because I love them. Because you love them. I forgot where I'm up to. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, shall hardships, or persecution, famine? We're going through all this now. Shall nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day. We are considered as sheep being led to the slaughter. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Whatever comes our way doesn't have to make us fearful or shameful because Christ came to die and set us free that he can what? Intercede for you and I because he loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, any height or death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Nothing, there's nothing too hard for God. Absolutely nothing that can separate us from God because he'll always love us. Always, no matter what we do. No matter where we find ourselves, Christ will always love us. Even if we're huddled in a little corner full of fear. Oh, what am I going to do? I've got to get out of this. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Praise God I didn't die because I didn't know Jesus. But he was there with me. He was there. And even though I was miles away from God, he was there. He was still present and he was the one that literally made that tragedy into a triumph. He convinced me. Remember the other week when Dennis used the word convinced instead of convict? 
That puts a different slant on everything. When you say uh, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, straight away there's shame. Yeah? And yet correctly translated, that word leans more on convinces us. The Holy Spirit convinces the world of sin. That changes that, doesn't it? Because when you think the Holy Spirit convicts straight away, you're reminded of a judge. Because you've got a court and stand in front of a judge to get convicted. So straight away, conviction brings shame, guilt. I've done something wrong. You know, God's this big judge. But now if you word, use the word convince, <laughs> he's convincing us from the day we're born that God exists. Yeah? I thought that was good. I thought that was brilliant. Because <laughs> so often you hear Christian, well, you hear people, I'll, I'll never walk in that church. If I walk in that church, the walls will fall down. How powerful do they think they are? And how less powerful do they think God is? And yet he, he made the universe. He created the world in six days. Rested on the seventh. And yet people say all the time, oh, if I go in that church, the walls will fall down. You're not as powerful as you think. There's God. And there's us. There's God and what he did on the cross. And they're, oh, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Will I ever get there? You're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. None of us are. But then there's Christ who stood in our place that covers us with all his glory that we can step in. Step into the presence of God triumphantly because he makes us worthy. He makes us righteous with his blood and what he did for you and I on that cross. None of us, none of us have any right to stand in that place without the covering of Jesus Christ. Am I right? Without the covering of Jesus Christ. And yet he stood in that place to make you and I triumphant Christians. Christ followers. None of us can do it in ourselves. And I love that word convince rather than conviction. You know, every day you get up, even from being a little kid, you know you've done wrong. Every day you get up, you know you're going to do wrong. You know you're going to bash that kid at school. You know you're going to lie to that teacher. You know you're probably going to steal something because it's a sinful nature. Because why? We're living after Genesis 3. It's a sinful nature. It's built in all of, oh, well, that person's worse than I. No, you're still a sinner. We're all sinners without Christ. But with him, we are clothed in righteousness. We are put on a new cloak, so as to say. 
We're clothed in righteousness. And every day we get up, I reckon all heaven goes, oh, here they go. They're up, up again, ready for anything. And all the trumpets out. Just like the procession for the general. They're cheering us on. You can do it. Because what? You're clothed with Christ. That's why. And he takes us from a place of struggle to a place of victory. Amen? Can I have the team? I've just been reminding us of a few things. Even this very thing, even this very communion in our hands. It's because of him, because of what he did. And we're told to examine ourselves. And I don't think that's a condemning, examine yourself. I think it's an examining of, are you still in love with me? Do you still remember what I've done for you? Do you still remember that I loved you, that I went to that cross? My blood was shed, that it covers everything you've done, every thought that you think. You don't have to live in guilt and shame. You don't have to persecute yourself. The enemy's there every day trying to persecute you. And Jesus standing in the gap at the right-hand side of the Father saying they're doing a good job. They're clothed in me. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you were blessed with today's message. You can connect with us at fascifentchristianchurch.com.